I'm Simon King, and this is What's Wrong. Uh, well, um, ask and ye shall receive. I asked last week if anyone would like to send me a letter, and I have received a letter indeed. And I will read that momentarily. I uh, wanted to uh, let you know that I have not stopped being a stand-up comedian. Um, although, uh, you know, the COVID, the end of the world, the plague, has put um, some, uh, shall we say, uh, crimps in that style. But I am still doing it. And um, I have uh, I have some a couple of quick dates to announce. I will be doing a couple of nights here in Vancouver. Uh, long shows. I've, I've, I, I hadn't done a show since March 14th. And then I did a uh, about a half a dozen shows uh, in August and one in September. Or, you know, around there and, and uh, you know, kind of trying to find my feet again. And I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Um, things are a little different audience-wise, obviously, as you would think they would be. But, you know, we're getting there. It's it's kind of people are, you know, people don't know how they feel. They don't know what's happening. They don't know, you know. So we're kind of coming back to it. But um, I've decided I need to stretch out and do proper long sets. So what I've done is I've picked two nights, November 13th and 14th. Here in Vancouver at the Kino Cafe. Tickets will go on sale for that, uh, I think, Monday. Um, there are very limited seats because of COVID, so we only have about 40 seats uh, a show. Uh, tickets will be about 20 bucks. Um, you know, uh, they're a little bit cheaper because I'm figuring stuff out. I'll be finding my way back. We'll be doing a lot of improvising, messing around, and I'm thinking about live streaming it on Instagram TV or on TikTok or something, so... I'll have to think about that. Uh, is that something you'd be interested in? Uh, you can uh, tweet at me, at Unfamous on Twitter, and let me know if you'd be interested in seeing a live a live streaming or uh, comment on the Facebook page, or the Facebook group for uh, the What's Wrong with Simon King Facebook group for the podcast. I'm basically off Facebook except for that group, and, uh, and I do reply to messages here and there. I do check them. Um, yes, yeah, so please... Uh, let me know what you think. Would you be interested in something like that? Do you think that'd be a good idea? If you can't be there to watch it, would you watch it online? If I was to put it out, I'm thinking about doing both shows, the, the Friday and the Saturday, um, and just live streaming them and seeing what happens. So uh, I don't know. Let me know if you'd be interested in that. And which platform would you prefer? Would TikTok make more sense for you? Would Would Instagram make more sense? Uh, you can send me a letter as well if you want. www.skpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know. I've been, uh, you know, I'm excited. It's nice to have something to plan for again. It's nice to have uh, something to put together again. Just the idea of being able to, you know, do a show again, really, you know, more than just dropping in and doing five or 10 minutes or, you know, maybe 20 minutes to close up a show. It's nice to actually have to put together. I have no idea what I'll do. I can't remember a lot of the jokes that I was working on for the hour that I should be recording. Uh, you know, my hopes were, were to get in front of a camera in February. I don't, that's not going to happen now. Um, but the other special is uh, is pretty much finished. Now it's just a matter of getting it out. So that's exciting. And that information will come out soon. And I'll, I'll be uh, tweeting and posting about that. So if you're connected with me in anywhere on social media, you'll know where to find it when it comes out. I'm very excited about that. Um, it's taken a little longer than I would have liked. But, uh, you know, COVID. I mean, it's really kind of fucked everything up. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're uh, making it through. hope you haven't lost anybody. I hope you're, uh, you know, hope you're, uh, you're safe. And I hope your livelihood is safe, which is, you know, concerning. I think I'll talk a little bit more about perhaps COVID, but not just COVID. The, uh, I kind of wanted to talk about um, the positive things that have come out of it. Because I think there's some ways of seeing this as a negative thing. I have actually touched on this once before in the podcast. But I want to actually, you know, now 
that I've kind of got a more clear single message thing. I want to go through it again. But in the meantime, before that, before we do that, before we get there, we gonna read us a letter. Yeah, I told you we got a letter. Oh, we got a letter, and I will um read it. So, um, here we go. Hi, Simon. Long time listener, first time writer. Welcome aboard. I very much enjoyed the October 8th episode of the podcast. Ah, thanks. I like you. I'm also a warrior, and I make mountains out of molehills all the time. My sister's counselor calls it catastrophizing. Yeah, I've heard that before, and I think you're correct. That's, that's, I, I do that. I catastrophize, um, which sound, makes it sound a lot cooler than what it actually is, which is, you know, when I was a kid, they would call it war, being a worry wart. A worry, that's hard to say, worry wart. There you go. But yeah, catastrophizing. Uh, I think that might be something to do. I mean, I know that's an anxiety thing, and, uh, you know, I have depression and um, a little bit of the OCD, so I think that's part of it, but. Yeah, it's a definite thing. Uh, anyway, continuing. I get a certain kind of dread in my heart before I check my email. Me too. Always worried about something lurking in the shadows to ruin my day. This only started happening since my son's father began sending me attacking emails after every visit. Well, that's a logical reason why you would you would be worrying about that. You know, <laughs> if you're getting nasty emails. You know what I mean? Like I said on the podcast about talking about the mailbox. You know, if you're used to getting letters that are like demanding money or, you know... If there's a if you're used to getting bad news on a regular basis, well, you're going to react that way. That's normal. I don't think that's catastrophizing. I think that's just being like, oh no, it's going to be another one of this. Especially if there's a pattern to it. Anyway, lately I've been confronted with a pending Supreme Court appearance to fight for the continued custody of my toddler. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. His father has been putting together quite the portfolio of lies in an attempt to paint me as an unfit mother. I lay awake at night with the fear of not knowing uh, what he is going to say about me in front of a judge. Well. That's yeah, that sucks. Like I'm, not, I've never been in that position. I can't imagine. I do have a child, so I, you know, the idea of someone taking that child away is the, you know, uh, probably worst thing ever. Probably the worst thing in the whole wide world. So I could understand why. Yeah, I don't think you're out of line to be upset. Um, in this case, I would very much like to know the unknown because I'm a fighter and I have the truth in my arsenal to battle against his storytelling. Well, that's the thing. If you if you got if you if you, if you have the truth on your side. I know that it's not always that way. I know that the legal system doesn't work like that. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people to be listening to this being like, listen to this naive rube. I tell you, if you tell the truth, you're going to be fine. No, but uh, it definitely helps to be in the right. I think it would be less stressed out and be more prepared if I could know what I will be up against as there is not a true thing he could bring to court that would prove me to be unfit. Well, that's the thing. If there's nothing true, if there's nothing he can say that he has, if there's no way of proving it, then, you know, I mean, I would give a little bit of credit to the, the judge on that in that they may see, you know, they'll they'll examine it. You know, I feel angry, betrayed and attacked in my waking life and has an impact on me at the deepest level. So I totally feel totally alone in this fight. No one should ever threaten a loving, capable parent with the prospect of losing the child and th- that they've poured everything they have into since day one. No, that, that sucks. I do have a lawyer to help me navigate this nonsense. Good. However, lawyers don't ultimately have anything to lose. True. But they do have ego. A lot of lawyers have ego and don't like to lose. So that could be on your side. Should the judge not see things our way? What advice do you have from one warrior to another to get through this unbelievably difficult, lengthy situation? Thanks, Simon. Sincerely, April. Number one comedy fan. You could read this on the podcast. I don't mind. Well, it's a good thing. I should (laughs) have... I should have read that last line before I just went and read the whole thing on the fucking podcast. Um, thanks for the letter. Uh, letter, April. And um, that's a shitty situation. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, uh, you know, um, advice from a warrior to another. You know what I do? Um, there's a couple of things I do. What I can tell you is um, 
what I do that's, that's negative that I know is wrong. So what I do, that, I can tell you what I do that makes things worse and how I, I recognize now, that's the one tool I've kind of developed is I recognize when I'm doing things to make it worse. Most of the time, not always. Um, one thing is, and that catastrophizing thing is totally true because what you do is you, you take a bad situation or something that is bad and then you just play out every single possible worst case scenario situation and then you just assume the worst case scenarios. And what you're doing is you're preparing yourself um, for the worst case scenario. What you're actually doing is you're, you're equipping yourself for battle. You're getting ready to face the difficulties. Your brain is saying, okay, no matter what happens, we're going to play this scenario out so we're not surprised by it. So it's a good sign in a sense of what it means is you're being prepared. Where it gets a little out of control is when you can't, you can't see it as that. You can't see it objectively as we're just getting ready for this thing and we're preparing ourselves. And you start seeing it as uh, the end of the world. There's nothing we can do. I think there's a, a few things that, that first of all, uh, if you feel yourself spinning out, if you feel yourself tail spinning, and one of the signs for me of that um, is that if you find something, if you latch onto something and say, like, um, here's a good example. Um, you know, sometimes I'll convince myself I'm sick. I'm not a hypochondriac. Um, that's not my nature. I'm, I never go to the doctor. I, I, you know, I get sick once a year, but I'll convince myself I have something underlying seriously wrong with me that no one, you know, is obviously that's not what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me is I've mentally got to a place where I need to find a scapegoat for the issues I'm having. So what I'll do is I'll find every possible confirmation bias I can to reassure me that what I'm thinking that I'm sick or something is wrong with me is correct. Most of the time, in fact, 99.9% of the time, it's impossible to find that stuff because I'm not sick. So none of the things I have, even no matter how much I try to stretch that Play-Doh out, gets too thin and, and I, it doesn't work. But I will take the, so I'll be presented with, you know, 50 things that say you don't have this problem. But a one thing what someone says, oh, I knew a guy who might have had that. Yeah, that's probably what it is. And that's what I'll latch on to. So what you need to do is try and remain objectivity and remain um, uh, objective maintain objectivity when it comes to the evidence presented for you. If you know you are in the right, if you truly know that that the person who is in your situation going to attempt to slander you or make you look bad or try does not have any proof of this because it didn't happen, um, then know that you are then take that information and take comfort in that. Don't I'm not saying don't be prepared. Obviously be prepared. You want to be prepared. You need to be prepared. Um, and like I said, that's what your brain is doing. But to me, um, it's very easy to not see anything positive in situations like this and dwell on the negative because you're trying to be prepared. And I think what you need to do is you need to go, okay, what's the worst case scenario that's going to happen here? And then let that play out. Run that through your head. Let it go. Whatever you need to do. Don't fight it. Just let it play out. Just be like, okay, this is the worst case scenario. This is what happens. Blah, 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 blah. Go through it all. And then go but that's probably not going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, uh, is it possible? Is it likely? So that's what I'm saying. So like, look at it and go, is it possible for this to happen? Is it possible for me to have got black mold in my lungs from an apartment I lived in in 2005? And that's responsible for the fact that I feel tired all the time in 2020. Maybe. Is it possible? Not. Is it likely that it never showed up on any blood tests or anything? No. 
And so that's what you have to look at. Is it possible? Is it possible that this guy's going to come in there with all these lies and your lawyer's going to be useless and the judge is just for some reason not going to see the truth and not going to believe you? Is it possible? It is possible. Is it likely? Highly unlikely. No, it's not likely. Because the judge's job and the, the, the judge's job is to be impartial and try and look at things. And they're not going to blindly follow you know, it's not like there's some sort of you're not up against an institution like law enforcement or something that, you know, has is connected and has things to protect itself and has sway over the judges. It's not, you know, to kill a mockingbird. You, you, you're in a situation here where it's you. It's your word against his. But he's lying and you have, you know, you have proof and he doesn't. And if that's the case, if you're going into this and you've played all the worst case scenarios for yourself, you've gone, what is the worst case thing that could happen? What is this guy going to say? What's he trying to do to me? And then know that no matter, you know, you're building that castle defense and no matter how he tries to get in, he can't get in under the walls, can't get in over the walls because ultimately his projectiles don't work because there's no truth behind them. And I'm not saying this means that things will 100% for sure go your way. That's not the way life works. It is possible that things could go negatively for you. Is it likely? Probably not. So try to live in those situations. Try to examine things. To, and I know it's really hard. I know it's really hard. And, and trust me, I, I, I know what I'm talking about here when I say I understand getting trapped in the negative news and the negative spiral and the, 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 the what's, what could, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. Uh, I, have, I have fucked myself out of so much of my life with that. Um, I have uh, put myself into terrible situations. I have not taken myself out of terrible situations. I've done... I've done myself an incredible disservice with the words what if. And uh, now that I'm in my 40s with a little bit of perspective and also now that I've talked to other people that are in this situation and have given me these tools and helped me um, understand that it... Someone said to me once, they're like, has it ever been the worst case scenario? In, in any time you've ever felt like this, has it ever ever been the worst it could possibly be i mean it, it, understandably things get bad but has it ever been so bad that you were not prepared you did not think that outcome would happen um no no because the worst case i imagine if you're like me you're probably the same uh is always worse than it actually even could be and so that's some comfort for you it it it, it gives you a little bit of um control over the mental runaway game and also on the day if that's happening to you if you're standing there with your lawyer and this guy's saying this stuff and it's you know it's not true don't don't maintaining calm as bruce lee said is a superpower if you can somehow just absorb the fact that this person is saying these terrible things just sit there and go okay well these are not true this is not true i'll have my time to speak this is not this is not true. I will prove this wrong because I am on the right side of this. And ultimately, you have to believe that if you have truth on your side, you will, uh, you know, come out victorious. That's your... On, on the day that it's happening, just remember, uh, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? No. Is it possible the judge will believe this bullshit? Yes. Is it likely? No. And then you just have to do that a physical tr thing, trick that I've taught myself because when I get nervous um, or when I get stressed, my mouth gets very, very dry and I get, uh, 
I get this weird thing where I just kind of like, I can't, uh, I know it's like watching myself on the outside. I know I'm stressed and I'm calm enough to be like, stop doing this, but I can't actually stop myself. Like my, my mouth gets dry. I get a little bit, you know, jumpy and stuff. Here's one thing that I've, a couple things that have helped me do that, deal with that. If you're standing there and the, 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 this guy is saying this stuff, and uh, and it's 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 raising your ire, and you feel like you're going to lose control, or you feel like you're losing, you know, you're not able to deal with all the bullshit and everything. Um, I I do this before I go on stage. I clench my fists, not before I go on stage, but if it's something really nerve wracking, I clench my fists really tight and then let him go. Like, but you maybe not want to do that in a courtroom with your fists clenched. I will smash you. Maybe that's not the best idea, but you know, maybe ball up your feet really really tight. Don't you know? Don't show it on your face. Just you know, let tighten up your muscles. And then let him go. And then tighten him up and let him go. And what that's doing is it's letting your body have a physical response to the emotional um, thing you're dealing with. Another thing to do is if you can, chew gum. Uh, when you're eating, your body thinks you're relaxed. And that'll calm you down a little bit. That's a good way to be too. So if you can do that, those are some little physical tips that I've, I've, you know, I've kind of developed to, to, to deal with uh, stress or trauma as it's happening. But yeah. Uh, just remember that if you are in the right on this, um, you know, you're not going up against City Hall. You're going up against one guy who, who, by the sounds of it, doesn't have a leg to stand on. So just, you know, know that thinking about the worst case scenario and being prepared for it is not, not a bad thing. Being prepared for that is not bad. But know that it's very unlikely those situations will happen. And even if they are, even if they do, by worrying about it, you have prepared yourself for it. Okay. So I, I wish you the best of luck. I hope that works out for you. I feel sorrow, be, sorry that you have to deal with it, but uh, but it sounds like you're you're in the right on this, and it sounds like you're going to be okay. You just gotta, you know, kind of stay focused, clench your feet. Uh, <laughs> what is that? That's from Die Hard, right? When he walks around, and makes fists on the carpet with his feet. Come the calls, we'll have a good time. Like that. I remember that. Uh, that's good, Simon. I remember that. I'm helpful. I'm helping you. Um. Anyway. I hope that's been some help. Uh, thank you very much for the letter. Know that you're not the only person that worries out there. We all do. Uh, I don't. I think maybe the advantage to worrying is that you are prepared. It might be some hyper, might be just an overdone reaction to situation going like, I'm really ready for whatever happens now. Um, but know that you, you know, it's, it's better to be like that than in real life in these situations. It's better to kind of be prepared than be blindsided. And it doesn't sound like you're going to be blindsided at all. So yeah, I hope that helped. Um, so yeah, and if you guys want to send me a, <coughs> why won't they just finish it? Letter, you can send it to www.skpodcast at gmail.com. And I will do my best to, uh, well, I will read them all at this point because we're not exactly dealing with a high volume. I think every listener I've had has now sent me a message now, all four. Um, anyway, let's move on to, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about, um, something that, positive that's come from this covid situation it's very easy to dwell on the negative uh you got to accentuate the positive but i want to talk about the fact that i am unlikely to get sick um i am unlikely to even if i haven't already had it which i believe i may have been exposed to it in march but if i haven't already had it um i think or in february um I think that if I was to get sick, the odds of it landing me in hospital are lower than, you know, the, the at-risk groups for sure. I mean, um, 
you know, like I said earlier, I, I, I do have a, a bit of a hyperactive worry mechanism, but I also know that I'm, I'm not a sickly person. I'll, I'll get a cold maybe once a year. Um, I'm not, I'm not a sickly person. I'm quite healthy. I've never spent it at, you know, any time in hospital. I've never had surgery. I've never even had a cavity. Like I'm, I'm very lucky that way. I've, I've got my health and I'm very, very lucky. Um, so I personally, I'm not worried about me, nor am I too particularly worried about my immediate family because they're all healthy and strong. Um, pretty much, uh, there's a couple of concerns, but nothing, you know, got some older folks in the family and stuff, but, uh, most, mostly not too worried about it. Um, so why am I much like other people in my situation, um, wearing masks and using hand sanitizer? If I'm not worried about it, why am I doing that? I'm doing it for the same reason you're doing it. I'm doing it to protect the at-risk people in our society. There is no benefit, uh, personally for me, uh, if I, if I truly believe that I'm not going to get sick or that if I get sick, it's nothing, there's no real benefit for me doing it other than the benefit that I think we all feel, which is we all want to be part of the solution. And I think not all, I mean, I'm not talking about the anti-mask. I'm talking about those of us who are participating in, you know, the consensus to, of, of that we should wear masks and we should, you know, now do I, uh, like I said, my concern about getting this virus is very, very minimal. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I, have always been a, a, a kind of an avid hand washer. It's one of my hobbies. I really enjoy it. Many decorative soaps. And I just like to spend hours just washing my hands, but I'm not too worried about that. Um, I am concerned because this virus is highly communicable, uh, of spreading it. If I did get it, carrying it and spreading it to someone, cause most people don't even know they have it and the symptoms are mild and you might feel a bit pokey and then you're fine. But, uh, you know, every so often somebody, uh, who is in a position where their immune system is compromised or they're a little bit older or whatever it is, um, it fucking flattens them. And I don't want to be part of that. When this virus first showed up, uh, everyone thought it was like a 10% death rate and we're all going to die. And I think for, at first, a lot of the people were not selfish, but were like, okay, well, we gotta, I got to protect myself too. Cause, but what's happened, what's been interesting is as this has turned more and more into... Um, a realization that young people particularly uh, are not really at risk for this. Uh, I expected to see people adhering to the hand washing and mask wearing and stuff, particularly younger people to go down because it doesn't really benefit them, right? Like absolutely it's a pain in the ass. I don't want to do that. But actually what's happened is it stayed the same, at least in my observation where I live and what I've seen. And that gives me great happiness because I see in that, part of the nature it's very easy to point at the negative things because there are so many but that is a a wonderful part of protecting our herd our pack we are protecting the weakest amongst us we are the wolves where the the weak walk in the middle and the strong walk in the back in the front we are doing the thing we need to do to keep those of us that are at most risk now there is a selfish benefit to this in that we're keeping the healthcare system from getting uh you know waterlogged and then if you do need it, you can't. I mean, definitely, yeah. I'm not saying it's completely altruistic, but the, the majority of people that I know who are my age or younger or a little bit older but are in good health are not worried about contracting the virus. They're all worried about spreading it. They're concerned that because they're young and healthy, they may not know they have it and they could give it to other people. And I think it's wonderful that people are thinking that far ahead of the end of their nose on this. And when it first started happening, I did a few podcasts for people and, you know, I was guest and, you know, I kept mentioning at that time 
it, it, you know, will it hold out? Will it continue to be a thing? And, and, and the initial burst of, because I do believe there was a lot of goodwill and a lot of will pull together. I've never lived in wartime. I likely never will. Although, you know, what's going on in America right now might prove me wrong. But I, so I've never experienced that whole country pulling together to defeat a common enemy thing. Although we should be doing that with environmentalism. We're not. Um, not defeating environmentalism, defeating the climate change. But what I am experiencing now for the first time is this weird community thing. You know, for the first time in my life, um, when this first happened, I went to stores and things weren't on the shelves. I live an incredibly privileged life. I'm one of the 1% of the people on the planet, as I believe most people who listen to this podcast are. If you're in a developed first world nation with running water and food and medical care and stuff, you are incredibly rich. Uh, not just personal wealth, but just what you have access to compared to the rest of the world. And I think sometimes that breeds selfishness because we have so much, we kind of get into a routine of wanting more. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, I would like a, a house and a yard and fancy things. I would, I would, I would like those things. Um, but it doesn't rule what I do. I think some of the danger is sometimes we get so lost in pursuit that we forget that, it's not just us against the world. It's us and our pack against the world. And our pack happens to be all of humanity. And it's very easy for us to get disconnected from each other more now than ever, I think. And ironically, social media, the thing that was supposed to bring us closer together, has actually caused more division than I've ever seen, or at least more overt division. And so in this time, and social media was largely responsible for so much of the hysteria, the panic that occurred when COVID first happened. I do believe that if if COVID hadn't been publicized on social media the same way, and if what happened, I think it was a series of, with Spain and Italy, and then once basketball got canceled and stuff, sports, everyone thought it was, oh my God, it's a real thing. And then that lit the fuse and social media exploded. I, I do think in retrospect, the way we perhaps handled this might not have been completely correct. I think there were some things that, definitely need to be done differently. But there's a lot of positives that are going to come out of this. One of the things, the positive things is for the first time in a long time, at least I personally, and I think a lot of people um, saw a glimmer of what we could be if we work together. I mean, Canada, particularly America's, the United States is its own. People are acting like that because they're, they're set against each other more than anything else. Um, and people, you know, there's, there's so much going on in the United States and it, and it's, you know, a hundred plus years in the making and it's, 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 it's a long and involved thing and it's almost all to do with money and power and it's very difficult to break that down and I could never do it justice. I just, you'll have to take, you know, history courses and stuff to even get close to what's going on down there and it's, it's a philosophical breakdown and everything. But in Canada, and I'm not saying Canada isn't horrendous, we have our own terrible shit. But in Canada, our response was like, okay, let's all get together and push this truck out of the ditch. Let's do it. Like, we may not have liked it. Some of us did it begrudgingly, but we all were like, okay, well, it's got to get done. So let's fucking do it. And I think there's a, for the first time in a long time, it was nice to see the majority of people kind of go, well, you know, if this is what has to be done, we'll just fucking do it. And it's not necessarily personally beneficial for me, but I guess we'll just... And like I said, I think that perhaps there's some 
you know, hindsight's going to be really important in this. We're going to learn a lot about how we handled it and what we could have done. And, you know, maybe there was virtue in doing more and protecting the 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 um, at risk populations more instead of maybe doing because I I do worry about the economic damage and the damage to people's lives and because you know economic collapses and stuff kill people they do it it, it does that and and I I wonder whether you know in Canada we have less than ten thousand have died from this and I wonder whether we might lose ten times that much in the long term to people who've lost everything to suicides and you know mental illness and health problems and everything and I, I i hope that's not the case we'll have to see but i do know that from what i know right now we were given a task as a society and we were like all right fuck it let's just do it and let's do it and it's like well you know what's in it for me well you know you'll keep someone else's grand grandparents alive cool all right if that's what it takes and like i said i mean the, our response to this is going to be looked at from many angles one it's going to be looked at from the technical angle from the logistical angle did we do the right thing is this the right way to have stopped the spread could we have done it better could we have saved the economy more could we have protected people's livelihoods what could we have done you know to help keep life as normal as possible or make it very very fucked for a very short period of time and get out of it is there something we could have done you know those are the technical things those are the logistical things we'll look at but I think we can look at this as a societal philosophy thing, as a, as a, as a, as a, a, you know, the meat thermometer on our morality. When asked to do a thing that was very difficult, very difficult, and increasingly more difficult as time goes on, because, you know, a few months, most people can make a few or few months, whatever it needs to be. But then as it goes further and further, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm starting to go... I'm starting to get quite depressed with not being able to... I've lost a year of my career. I'm in my, you know, early 40s now. It's not like I'm 20 years old anymore. Like, I'm I'm, I'm watching time go. I'm, I, you know, my kid's school is weird, and uh, his life has been upended by it. Um, you know, he, he said to me the other day, like, you know, he talks about time before the buggies and germs, which is what we call them, you know, because he's, he's just turned four. He's not really too much up on virology i mean we'll we'll have to get there eventually um but so you know it 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 does bother me to see that but also what i'm going to teach him what i am teaching him and what i think i want him to come out of this with is when asked to do the thing we did the thing and we did the thing together and we pulled in the same direction the majority of us you know how hard it is to get humans to do anything together we're so difficult with each other we're so hard Usually, I mean, I, I often, you know, you talk about the greatest generation. It wasn't just the people who fought. The, one of the reasons they call the greatest generation the greatest generation is because it was the people who worked together to fight uh, at home as well, to do everything that was required to make sure we could, could win, to, to give up their saucepans to make spitfires, to, to give 50% of the, the food they made from their farm to the war effort, the, those are that's the greatest generation. The greatest generation was a generation of people who uh, worked together. That's what made them great. And I think that this is not the same, obviously, but the spirit of it and the idea that when asked to pick up the rope and pull in one direction, most of us did, and most of us continue to, and it's getting harder and harder and harder. And I don't know how much longer it can last, but it shows that even in this new age of selfishness, this strange time where it becomes all about, you know, the individual and what the individual wants, at, often at the expense of the group. 
when really, really put in that place, we could do the right thing. And I think that gives me hope that if put in that place correctly with the environment, we could do the right thing. And I think we're sort of starting to. It's an optimistic thing. There's a lot of great hope there. And I am very, um, I'm very grateful to be alive at this time. It's a difficult time in a lot of ways, but I'm very grateful that I've seen this little glimmer of that because I needed it. And I don't know about you, but I think it's something I needed to remind me that uh, you're not by yourself. When it really comes down to it, there's someone else hands on the rope. Hopefully that rope's not around your neck, but see, I can't say anything nice. You know what? That's going to be enough of the podcast for me. Uh, I, I think, um, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I'll get back to doing it. I mean, I did kind of half a topic this week, but I do like to answer letters whenever I can. And so please do feel free to send me a, uh, a letter, www.skpodcast.gmail.com. Um, and uh, I will answer them. I will read them. And um, if you don't want me to read it on the air, the air. If you don't want me to read it on the internet, on the podcast, just put a note at the top. Don't don't read this on the, you know, you can just don't read this bit. You can talk about it, but don't read it. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. All right. Um, take care of yourselves. And that, well, that's not what's wrong. This, what's wrong this week? Uh, fuck the system. That's what's wrong this week.